welcome to Diverse and Inclusive Leaders, the podcast show where I interview the most inspirational and thought-provoking leaders of today and unearth their unique stories of diversity and inclusion to help inspire, educate, and motivate others to make the world a better place. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by the incredible Sarah Neff, all the way from Los Angeles in in America, which is very exciting for me being a Brit. Sarah has had a incredibly diverse and and interesting background. She's currently Senior Vice President for Sustainability at Kilroy Realty Corporation. In four years, she's unbelievably taken the corporation from having the number one sustainability program um, across all asset classes within sustainability in North America by GRESB. In 2015, the business won the honor for the second year in a row. At Kilroy, all of the sustainability issues are completely overseen. All of the initiatives are overseen by Sarah herself. And she's also holding at present a number of different accolades including serving on the USGBC Advisory Council and also Chair of the Board of Directors of USGBC in Los Angeles. In addition to being on the Board of Directors of Young Professionals in Energy in LA, she's also on the Advisory Council for the LA Clean Tech Incubator and member of the BOMA LA Sustainability Committee. Prior to joining Kilroy, Sarah has had a number of different experiences working for other global household names such as Google and Ideal Lab. So I'm delighted to welcome her to the show today to find out what she's been up to and to find out about her take on the world of diversity and inclusion and sustainability. So welcome to the show, Sarah. Tell us a little bit about what you have been doing of late and how you find yourself in this position Mm -hmm. of leadership that you're in right now. Great. Thank you. Um, well, the thing that uh, I've spent most of my time on right now is um, getting carbon out of the built environment. Um, in America, um, buildings represent 40% of our carbon emissions. It's a big chunk. It hasn't been addressed. And so this is going to be my mission is to get um, to decarbonize the built environment. Um, I'm really lucky because I have uh, the CEO of my company who hired me directly um, is a major champion of the of this of really getting the carbon out of our buildings. Um, we've committed to being carbon neutrally operating by the end of next year. Um, that takes a whole lot of um, engagement through everybody at our company, and we're all really really excited about it. So that's what I'm working on. Fantastic, and I know that you've done a number of TED talks as well because you do a lot of professional speaking as well, which I think is so key. And it's really great to hear that you're doing so much around mm-hmm. sustainability, which I think is such a yeah. factor for us today. And obviously, thank you, generations. So I've watched some of your TED talks actually, and they're marvelous. Um, but it would be great for you to share a little with our listeners a little bit about key subjects because. I'm sure they'd be so interested perhaps to go and tune into yeah. that afterwards or, or hear perhaps a brief summary of some of the things that you've been talking about. Oh, please do. <laughs> Absolutely. So, you know, I spend my days worrying about um, the health and environmental aspects of buildings. Um, and basically what happened to me was my daughter, who was at the time two years old, started coughing herself to sleep every night. And it took me six months, six months to figure out um, that her problems were being caused by our house. We live pretty close to a busy freeway. 
Um, and, you know, an air filter basically solved the problem in two days. But the problem is I do this for a living, right? I mean, it's not a happy story, right? Because I am a champion for green and healthy buildings. And yet it didn't even occur to me that this is what was causing her problems. I mean, all these air treatments and steroids was terrible. Um, and so I realized then how invisible buildings are. I mean, you're in a building right now. I'll spend 90% of today inside. You know, we sleep in buildings. We work in buildings. We learn in buildings. And yet we don't really think about what they're doing to us. We think a lot about the food we eat and the amount we exercise. And those things are all really important. Um, but we're not really thinking about our buildings. And they're impacting ourselves, our bodies, and the environment a lot. So that's what my talks are tend to be about. And have you always been interested in sustainability from a young age? I'm really interested to know about how you came to be where you are today. <laughs> was was the young Sarah always interested in mm-hmm. changing the world and making things green, or was there, you know, were there critical moments in your life that really, I, I don't know, really resonated mm-hmm. to the point that you thought, "Oh my goodness, this is my." Yeah. Because obviously, you work for some very big other tech businesses like Google and what have you. No, it took me a long time. I mean, I knew I wanted to do something around saving the world, um, but it took me a long time to get there. And there may be other people, you know, who um, listen to your uh, podcast who say, Oh my goodness, I haven't been doing this since I was five years old. Therefore, I can't, I can't do this anymore. And I just had. Um, a meeting with somebody who's um, in her 40s and just figuring out that this is something she wants to dedicate her life to. I mean, anytime the environmental movement will take you. <laughs> we don't we don't need credentials for when you're five. So I've always um, cared about the earth. I've been one of those kids who you know cleaned up trash um, on the weekends. But uh, you know, I I didn't major in environmental studies. I didn't really get that this could be a career. And it took me a really long time. It took a lot of leaders ahead of me to say, actually, you can go this path to save the world. And I went to business school for the purpose of aligning financial and environmental goals. Uh, it took me a long time to figure that out. Um, you know, I really thought for a long time that I, I wanted to work somewhere in, in the creative field. I worked in television for a long time. Um, and then I just realized it wasn't fulfilling enough and I was able to make a career change. So I feel really lucky that that happened. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And I think it's so good. I'm always so inspired by leaders who are actually making a positive difference in the world. And I think the more that we can talk about the fact that business actually can breed really good, sustainable futures, the better. Yeah, business with purpose is absolutely the way forward. And it's funny, I was having a conversation mm-hmm. just this morning about the fact that it's inspiring to see that leaders and millennial leaders, zillennials, and, and those who are coming up even from the younger generations are actually starting to say, do you know what? It's not just about profit. It's about purpose. It's about the UN Sustainable Development Goals. It's about the environment. It's about diversity and inclusion. These things are all such key topics for the future so that we can create a better place for us all to live in and to thrive yeah. at work and at home. Yeah, it's not just, you know you know, uh, tying yourself to a tree, um, you know, to save the world. I mean, there's a real deep and true business case mm-hmm. for lowering, reducing your environmental footprint. Um, you know, that's been the driving force. I mean, my entire life sort of work is dedicated to the fact of aligning business and environmental interests. I think that's the fastest way that we're going to save the world. There's not this, this trade-off. I mean, yes, there are industries where this is going to be super difficult, but there are also so many opportunities out there 
to have a great career, support your family and save the world at the same time. Have you ever tied yourself to a tree though? <laughs> I've not tied uh, myself to a tree. I do uh, do a lot of Earth Day events. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I have a good friend here over in the UK and there's been so many of the big protests around sustainability in central London, which I'm sure you've seen on the news. Yeah. And I mean, she's an amazing businesswoman. Yeah. But she said, Leila, let me tell you something. I actually got arrested in London. I was like, oh my goodness, that's just crazy. But do you know what? Oh it no. Got, she got arrested protesting. And I thought, do you know what? Hats off to you though, because I think this is becoming such a critical issue for today's society that if we really don't do something about it and we don't have leaders in the field who care so passionately like you do, Sarah, about these matters, then how are we going to actually make a mm-hmm. difference for the future? Yeah, no, the protesters are, and I love going to the protests in LA for, um, you know, the science march, women's march, all that. I mean, it really does make a difference. I mean, I can just say in real estate, you know, those are our tenants, right? Like we have young people who live and work in our buildings and we want them to know that we are aligned with them or else they're going to go find somewhere else to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's absolutely, you know, your friend didn't get arrested in vain. Um, I mean, <laughs> her actions, it really sends a signal that a lot of people listen to. Absolutely. I think it, I think it takes brave people to be stepping forward to actually make this difference. And you touched on that point there that Mm -hmm. actually the younger generation, they are not picky is the right word. Perhaps I didn't articulate that that well, but actually being selective more so about the organizations that you work for is becoming more and more important because if companies are not talking about the good things that they're doing, you're right, people are going to up and leave and go work somewhere that it actually makes them feel they're making a difference somewhere that makes their heart sing, you know? Absolutely. Look, 90% of the people who interview at my company mention sustainability in their job interviews. That's what HR tells me. I hope we're not hiring the other ones. Um, people want to work at, at my company because of what we do on sustainability. I really think it helps us attract and retain diverse talent that's really excited about it. Everybody's engaged. And so, you know, it just it just feeds on itself. Oh, that's so fantastic. I love that you're looking at suppliers being diverse and having social cause. That's brilliant yeah. because that's definitely the next step. Yeah. I think certainly in the UK, there's a lot of talk about it not just being a diverse and inclusive and a socially positive workforce, but also are we working with people and collaborating with people outside the organization that are also doing good things in business. Yes, absolutely. We're in that process right now. We're just actually crunching our numbers um, from, you know, uh, a surveys we've sent out to our suppliers to see who is doing anything. Do you have a human rights policy? Are you tracking your energy use? Um, real estate has been very late to this um, this conversation as opposed to like, say, electronics and apparel, which I think have a lot more visibility into their supply chains. And so we're, we're trying to solve that problem too. I mean, it's, it's great to be driving environmental and social change within your four walls, but really you make a big impact when you go outside into the rest of sort of the ecosystem. Absolutely. And we touched on diversity and inclusion there, which to me, sustainability, Mm -hmm. it's, you know, it falls within the wider social arena as well, which to me is also, um, you know, it's side and side with diversity and inclusion. What does diversity and inclusion mean to you as a leader? Right. I mean, I think it means a workforce where, um, or a workplace where everybody 
um, regardless of background, feels um, included, feels like they're part of that culture and is able to contribute to their fullest. You can't distribute, uh, you can't contribute your fullest if you feel like you are dealing with unconscious bias, microaggressions, you know, all of those things really detract from productivity. Um, and so we really, really think that this is, is critical because we're not any better than our human capital, right? It's, we are the team. Um, you know, I'm very proud that Kilroy is, we're 57% female, we're um, 39% non-white, um, you know, we have women in the board, women in the C-suite. Um, and I think, um, you know, I get asked, like, how did you do it? How, how did you end up with a company like this? And I think the answer I always give is, women want to work here. Mm-hmm. You know, you can, I mean, that's the key, right? I mean, like women and, and you know, people of various backgrounds actually want to work at the company and they stay at the company because it's a good company, you know? It, it is a company that understands um, families, that understands flexibility. Um, it, uh, you know, really projects an image and then that, that we're like that. And then people come in, we find out that it's true and then people stay. I mean, you can make all the policies you want, but if you're not walking the walk, people will leave after a year. Um, it, it takes, you know, a lot of commitment from a lot of great supervisors who want to help make things work for their employees and bring those folks up um, to keep um, to keep really, really high levels of diversity. You just have to be a good company. There's no way around it. And talk me through some of the different facets of the areas that have really made this a great place to work because those statistics that you mentioned there are just phenomenal. Mm-hmm absolutely just phenomenal but it isn't the case across the board so it yeah. doesn't surprise me at all that people are saying to you oh my god Sarah how did you do that how did you become this kind of great company with a great reputation that people want to come <laughs> and work for um you know is this through yeah. <laughs> campaigns that you do you know are you championing people internally like clearly you're doing TED talks and things like that which I think is great that the company want to actually have their key yeah. employees out there talking about these great things. But yeah, you know, what other tips and advice might companies and individuals, executives who are listening in right. thinking, oh my goodness, how has she done that? How has the company done that? Are there any pieces of advice or jewels of wisdom <laughs> to share with our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think if you're a supervisor, you have to walk the walk. You can say, oh yeah, uh, flexible schedules, we all get them. But unless you're showing that you know, your kid has a dance performance and you're going to go for that and you'll be back and you'll get your work done. Then your, then your, your direct reports aren't, aren't going to think that it's really possible. Like they're like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a flexible work policy, but not really, you know, same thing with paternity leave. Look, I have a great husband who's an amazing partner for our kids. Um, you know, and he's a writer and so their schedules are more flexible, but Unless you are seeing men take paternity leave, supervisors take paternity leave, that sends a major message. One thing to say, oh, yeah, 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 uh, you know, fathers can take paternity leave, but if nobody's doing it, nobody's going to put their hands up. Um, so I think it's a lot of walking the walk on the supervisor level. The other thing is people want to believe in what they're doing. I think everybody wants to believe that they're making the world a better place. And um, I really believe that our company does that. And I think that really makes people excited um, to work here. Um, and the other thing is you have to let people grow. Um, you know, people need to be able to expand. So my own team is two, two women, um, in it, you know, who report to me. And we spend a lot of time, you know, I, one of the lessons I took from Google was we need innovation time. I put it right in their calendars. I want you to come up with new ideas. Take these four hours. We're not going to talk about anything else. What are you excited about? I mean, a lot of Google's best ideas have come from uh, 
having your employees um, do do something like that. Um, and I and I implement that here. So I think being innovative, not being stuck in your ways, walking the walk are all really great ways to you know create that culture, that diverse and inclusive culture. That is fantastic advice. And I love that innovation time. More people should do that. So anyone who is listening, try it out. Try out <laughs> yeah. innovation time. That is so fabulous. And I bet so many things came out of the woodwork when you did that as well, because people want to share and they want to talk. We're all humans. I think naturally yeah. it's it's an enjoyable thing mm-hmm. to feel like your opinions are valued yeah. and it's not just the tick in the box of the to-do list mm-hmm. that we you know, we all come into work and have to do every day. So a couple of quick questions. I'm going to call this the lightning round, starting off with, I know it's quite a big question, but what is your secret to success? Because you've clearly done a whole bunch of stuff. And I know that we get a lot of aspiring leaders who tune in as well. So what is your, what is your (laughs) horn in the background? I love it. Um, What's your secret to success? If there is one out there, Sarah? Um, yeah, no, I, I can totally answer this question, which is, um, cause I love my, I, I, ma- I minored in psychology and I love reading books about productivity. Um, and so one of the, one of the things is you can't work 24 hours a day. You just can't, you don't do your best work that way. I'm a big believer in leaving my work at work when I, when I leave work and totally dedicating myself to my family when I'm home and the kids go to bed and I have some time to relax when I'm fresh and ready to go. I think it's critical. Um, piece of advice, always leave yourself a to-do list um, before you leave work every day. And then the goal is that you accomplish a lot of the items on your to-do list before you check your email. Email is just your best brain is in your morning. You have to preserve your morning brain. I get all my best stuff done then. Um, and if you waste, if you fritter away those minutes, you know, on things that are less important, you're not going to do your best work. So really thinking of yourself as a resource that needs to be conserved um, is really, really helps me, you know, get a lot done and still be a good mom. That's great advice. I love it. Preserve and conserve yourself, especially in the morning. Fantastic. And is there any advice that you might give to your younger self, to the young Sarah? (laughs) Um, I would just tell her it's going to be okay Um, as I mentioned um, it's going to take younger self younger Sarah it will take you a long time um, to figure out what you want to be when you grow up and it's very frustrating you will see so many of your friends including the boy you're going to marry know from a very early age what they want to do and that is great but it's okay that it takes it's going to take you a longer time but you will figure it out eventually um, just, you know, always listen. If that voice inside you says, this isn't the career for you, you can leave. Um, that's how it was when I was in television. I just, how many more shows about, you know, non-diverse people in New York was I going to work on um, in one lifetime? It wasn't <laughs> fulfilling. And I'm so glad um, that I had the opportunity to say, you know what, this isn't for me. I don't love it enough. I got to find something else and do that. And how about authentic leadership? Mm -hmm. What is authentic leadership to you? Right. I think it's really being able to speak with your true voice. Um, I'm known as being uh, quite honest um, in my opinions. I I like to joke around a lot. That's who I am. That's how I, I speak. I'm not you know, I'm not somebody who is a, you know, who has a very stiff and sort of formal and maybe more traditionally corporate approach um, to speaking. And that's okay. That's, that's who I am. Um, the times that I've had to sort of change my, 
um, my presentation style for whatever reason, it felt very unnatural and I never felt like it went that well. I think it's figuring out really who, who you are and, and, um, and then being able to speak in that voice or not speak. It's okay. You know, a lot of people are very shy and don't particularly like speaking. There's other ways to get your voice out. So I think as long as you're not trying to pretend to be anyone else, um, the genuineness will come through and then your message comes through. And finally, who's inspired you most throughout your life or, or through your career, in fact? Absolutely. It always starts with my mom, um, who is a great um, working mother um, and really showed me, you know, how, how these things can get balanced in a way that, um, you know, makes makes you fulfilled professionally and personally. Um, you know, sustainability in real estate is a very weird little niche. Um, and I'm so lucky that so many times in my life, I've had somebody who I really respect pull me aside and say, okay, I'm going to explain to you how this works. Um, there was uh, somebody who had my job at another real estate investment trust who said, Sarah, my, my major advice to you is don't let yourself get bored. It's not anybody's job to keep your job interesting. It's not, it's not your boss's job. They have other things to do. You have to keep your job interesting. And that has so helped me as I look for new projects and things that, that are exciting. Um, you know, we in sustainability, we love to share our knowledge. I hope that I will be remembered as somebody who's really, really tried to share. And so many people have shared with me, um, women, men, and also my CEO. You know, he hired me directly. He believes it's not lip service. And he is really who has set the message for the whole company. This is something we do. This is something we care about. So I've been really lucky with mentors. Thank you so much for being on the show today. That's You've given some really inspirational advice. And I think actually there's so much oh. that people will be able to take away with them. I've been jotting down a couple of quick notes here, actually, just because I, I normally like to finish with a summary, but there's so many things there. Mm-hmm. I would like to, I'd like to encourage all of our listeners today who are tuning in on YouTube or, <laughs> or via or via one of their favorite podcast apps to go and find Sarah's TED Talk and have a watch of that because it really is fantastic. And I think what you've reminded me certainly, and I'm sure our listeners as well today, is to is to almost kind of try and find your inner voice because like you say, people are all different. Some people are shy, some people are confident. Actually, being yourself is so important because otherwise you're using up all of that energy um, in actually you know, trying to be something that you're not, you know, so, so really kind of following your heart and following your passions. I know that might sound a little twee, but that's really come across today um, from, from everything that you have, have said, Sarah, to, to really follow what it is that you are most passionate about, because that actually helps you a lot to be able to succeed in this world, um, especially when there's a real strong purpose behind it, which I can see the enthusiasm that, that you're showing, obviously, with everything that you're doing and the people that you're working with. Um, I think it's fabulous. So I hope that people can take a lot away from that. Plus, if you haven't done innovation time within your office at the moment or you're leading a team right now, I would say definitely try innovation time. Um, as Sarah said, it's, it's a really, really great tip. And I'm sure that lots of new ideas may come out of that. Yep. So thank you so much, Sarah. What I'll do is I'll put Absolutely. all of put your... Put it right in your calendar. <laughs> Absolutely. What I will do is I'll put all of your details into the show notes for the end of today's podcast. So hopefully people will be able to reach out. If you want to reach out okay. and ask Sarah any questions, please do that. Obviously, you can get in touch with me as well. In the meantime, if there's anything that you would like to pass on. 
So for now, I'm going to say thank you very much, Sarah, for being here with us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, bless you. Thank you so much. Sorry, I think there's a small time delay. So if anyone's listening and and we sound like a a bit like we're talking over each other, I think it's this like time delay between Leamington Spa and lovely Los Angeles. Yes, it is. (laughs) Which is much more glamorous than where I am right now in the UK, I can assure (laughs) you, Sarah. No, where I am right now is not glamorous. (laughs) So my name is Leila McKenzie and you've been listening to Diverse and Inclusive Leaders, the podcast show with you every week where we speak with the most inspirational leaders about lots of different subjects around the work of diversity and inclusion, sustainability and lots of great social impactful goals that businesses and people can have. Please do tune in next week and do visit us at www.dialglobal.org forward slash podcast or you can reach out to us now on YouTube on our Dial Global YouTube channel or on www.laylamckenzie.com forward slash podcast, where you'll find all of the show notes from today's podcast with the lovely Sarah. See you next week. Thanks so much.